Welcome to the podcast on the program today. President Donald Trump. He's the his first appearance ever with the program, uh, which is kind of crazy after all of this time. Uh, he comes on and talks about uh, Afghanistan. General Milley, he's very funny about General Milley. I don't think General Milley found it that funny, but uh, I sure did. Uh, he talks about everything that's going on in, in, in the country today and maybe what he, what he would have done differently. We get into that with him. Also updates on what's going on with the Nazarene Fund and uh, your efforts to help save people uh, from certain death from the Taliban, including American citizens. We, of course, appreciate that. The NazareneFund.org is where you can go to help with that effort. And a brand new development in the Hunter Biden laptop uh, situation. Uh, I will tell you, it's uh, not going to be a huge surprise to you, but yeah, the media was lying this whole time. HunterBidenLaptopCase.com is a place you can go to participate with your own little piece of the Hunter Biden story. HunterBidenLaptopCase.com. I'll remind you of that. And make sure to rate and review this podcast. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. We do appreciate when you are able to do that, uh, as well as doing it with Stu Does America. Our podcast as well uh, is available every single day. I'm just setting a new record this past week for the biggest audience we've had since we launched the show. We appreciate that as well. Here's the podcast. This past weekend was the perfect example for everything wrong with Joe Biden. The gross negligence of the past four years of media malfeasance. Everything that the left said would happen under Donald Trump just occurred over the last weekend. Let me just give you an update on where we are as a nation. Remember, we were told, oh, everybody, our allies just hate us so much because of Donald Trump. And Biden would come in and restore our integrity and our role in the world. Meanwhile, Britain's not talking to us. France, our longest uh, uh, ally and one of our most trusted NATO allies, recalled their ambassador for the first time in American history over a botched arms deal with Australia. Oh, and NATO is about to collapse due to Biden ignoring the NATO heads of state. They no longer trust us and are talking about a new European League instead of NATO. Biden was going to be compassionate. He would never put people in cages on the border. No, he didn't have cages. We didn't even care enough to build a place for him. Now, I haven't seen AOC crying on the Texas border of the 50. 15,000 people that are living under the Del Rio Bridge. The border is worse than any time in American history. A true humanitarian crisis, all because Biden reversed all of Trump's partnerships with Mexico and others. We were promised the economy would roar back to life. Well, we have 11 million unfilled jobs. We're printing money for welfare. The Dow dropped 600 points yesterday because we're worried about another financial collapse, this time in China, who we are now fully in bed with. Biden would unite us. 57% of Democrats now think Trump supporters are the biggest threat to America, followed by 56% that think the biggest threat is anti-vaxxers. Wow. 
They've just made you doubly dangerous. The people who support President Trump, the guy who got the vaccine done in record time and has had the vaccine himself and says other people should get it. He and his supporters are called anti-vaxxers by Joe. No miracles are coming. Biden. Meanwhile, Trump was the dictator as Biden forces companies to bend to his will on vaccines. Our president now last week told 100 million Americans, quote, my patience is running thin. Gas prices are higher than ever. We are no longer energy independent. And because of what Joe Biden did in his first couple of weeks, Russia this morning is now holding Europe hostage over oil and gas. Joe Biden was for the working man. Now we find out, yeah, as long as you're in a union and if you don't mind runaway food inflation uh, and it's not so bad unless you eat meat. Our schools are now run by the teachers union, CRT, and you got to mask your kids. Violent crime is through the roof. I'm not sure what our military stands for anymore. There's no accountability. And the great uniter and global healer was handed peace in the Middle East. The historic Abrahamic Accords now in shambles. They're back to appeasing Iran, putting Israel in danger, giving our weapons and planes to the Taliban. And to sum up in Afghanistan, Americans have been left behind. Do you miss him yet? (sighs) President Trump, I started that list about 20 minutes ago and I could have gone on. I cannot believe it's only been nine months and this much damage has been done to our nation. Well, I'd like to copy that list. I think I'm going to get that, and I'm going to maybe just, you don't mind if I plagiarize like <laughs> No, did. not you at all. I wrote that. I, that, <laughs> that, is, that is astounding. That is astounding. Yeah, yeah there's plenty more. It's pretty incredible. Well, look, Europe is very, very unhappy with him, not for personality reasons, because I got along great. I actually got along great with Merkel. I got along great with Boris. I got along great with... Everybody, Macron or France. The the problem that I had is that NATO and Europe, they were ripping us off so badly on NATO. I mean, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. I got them to pay $430 billion. I said, look, you got to pay it. We're protecting you. They were delinquent. Most of them were not paying or they were paying very little, not what they were supposed to pay. They had a very strong regulation. They have to pay up to a certain point. They weren't even close to it other than eight countries, eight out of 28. So that was NATO was a ripoff from the standpoint of that. And they paid up when I came in. They asked me, they said, well, would you protect? I said, no, you got to pay. And once I said, you got to pay your bills, no other president has said it. And they were ripping us, but they got along with me, but they didn't like a lot of the things I did. Like, For instance, uh, the second thing about Europe, we can go to many other countries, many other places, but but the second thing about Europe is they ripped us off on trade. We don't sell farm products there. We don't sell cars there. We don't sell anything. They have us so restricted. And I was breaking that up until we had the rigged election result. I mean, I was breaking it up and we were going to have, I mean, when COVID came in, obviously we had to have another thing and we came up with a vaccine in nine months actually less, believe it or not. It was supposed to take four or five years and did a lot of good work therapeutically, Regeneron and a lot of other things, mm-hmm. which people don't talk about, which is so important. If you ever get it, although you had it, didn't you? I did. Didn't I did have it? it. Yeah, I had I had a bad case of it. Yeah. But I was taking, well, you, uh, the minute I stopped taking hydroxychloroquine, I got it. Right. 
<laughs> I mean, oh, but that's right. Yeah. Well, that was another thing. I should have said you should never take hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> if I said that, they'd say you must have it. You know, right. you know the wall. So we had after two and a half years of lawsuits, which I ended up winning all of them, eleven of them at least. Uh, we started building the wall, and it was a month from being finished. It was great, and it's still great because it covers such vast sections. But just little openings, and you know, unlike them, I wanted to get all our equipment back. Okay, I took I wanted everything coming back from Mexico. They didn't they didn't mind leaving eighty five billion dollars worth of equipment in in uh, Afghanistan. Afghanistan. So so what happens? So what happens is Europe is ripping us off so badly on trade. So when I was you know, there on numerous occasions, great relationships, but I said, you can't do that. You got to buy our cars. You got to buy, you know, things that we make also. So we had about, when I got there, we had $190 billion trade deficit, which nobody knows. And with China, we had $507 billion in a trade deficit. And I did a great job. And I made a trade deal with China, which put our farmers in great shape. They're doing well because of it. I mean, frankly, and I don't even talk about it because of COVID, though. I don't even mention it. You know, when I when I talk about a trade deal, it's a big deal. It's one of the biggest deals ever made. I also redid our deal with Canada, you know, with mm-hmm. Canada and Mexico. That was NAFTA was probably the worst trade deal ever made. And now it's a great deal for the United States. Um, and it's, you know. What we did is amazing. And uh, uh, he's breaking so much of it up. It's terrible. I, uh, I, I, we have such limited time with you. I, I, yeah. I, I want to cover a whole bunch of stuff. Um, the, can you just tell me, <laughs> it, it, were they following the withdrawal plan that you had in place with Afghanistan? No, not even a little bit. And we had a great plan, but it was a very tenuous plan. It was based on many conditions. For instance, you can't kill American soldiers. Mm-hmm. And I dealt with Abdul, you know, Abdul Ghani Karaka. Mm-hmm. And I dealt with him and very strongly. And he's the guy that's now the boss. And he was the boss then. And a lot of people weren't sure. And I had, you know, numerous conversations. But I said the first absolute first part of the first conversation that Abdul, hopefully we're going to get along, but here's the story. If you kill any Americans or any American soldiers, any, we're going to hit you harder than any country has ever been hit before. And we're starting in your village, but we are going to hit you harder than any country has ever been hit before. I hate to start off a conversation that way. It's not very friendly, but that's okay. I think you understand you've been fighting for your entire life. So what happened, what happened, Glenn, is from that point for 18 months, I believe it is approximately, not one American soldier was killed. We kept everything that we, and you have to understand, I did want to get out, but I wanted to get out with dignity and I wanted to take our equipment out and, you know, $85 billion, and I wanted to get, I didn't want soldiers killed. I've spoken to numerous of the parents who will only speak to me. They won't speak to Biden because they view what he did as having killed their child. And what he did is just indefensible. He took the military out first, and he left all these people, and then we became beggars to get the people out. So I had a plan to get them out very quickly, 
But first, the Americans would go out. I say, go out. And you had a certain amount of time. If somebody wants to stay, we can't be responsible for them. But not too many people would have stayed. Go out. We were going to keep Bagram open. We were never going to close that because, frankly, Bagram is more about China than it is about Afghanistan. It's practically right on the border of China. It's perfect. And now we've lost that. And you know who's taking it over? China. I I hear China is taking it over. We spent $10 billion to build that base. It's got the longest, most powerful runways in the world. And China is now got its representatives it looks like they're going to take it over glenn it's not even believable what's happened the way we got out you know they have apache helicopters these are really expensive (laughs) weapons and really they have 28 of them and they're brand new they're the latest model they have you know other obviously planes i i even say this and you you're a man the reason you're great is because you're such common sense okay it's about most it's about 90 percent common sense let's face it and why wouldn't they bring pilots in to fly out the planes or the helicopters? Uh, it would have yeah. taken an hour. Even yeah. if you land them in Pakistan, leave, land them yeah. in any country. You've got 10 countries you can land them in and get them out of there. So they didn't do that. Let me, um, let me talk to you a little bit about Pakistan. Um, General uh, Hamid and, um, and the Prime Minister Imran uh, Khan it has been remarkable helping us get... Uh, Christians or 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 on this case, they've been helping us on uh, uh, getting Americans out and and people who are Mm -hmm. targeted. They've been truly remarkable. Weren't they part of your plan? Yes, I had a great relationship with Khan. You know, he was a great athlete. He was a great cricket player. He was like the Mickey Mantle of cricket. Okay, I don't know if you know that, but he was a great athlete. I know. You know, that's how he was famous in the country and. He became you know, prime minister and he was a friend of mine and he appreciated, you know, I wiped out ISIS 100 percent of the caliphate, which is yeah. much tougher than getting out of Afghanistan. Yeah. And we were getting out of Afghanistan. You know, I took it down from 20,000 down to 2,500 troops or less. And plus, we had some European troops that I insisted be there, because why should we be fighting all this stuff? I mean, another reason Europe wasn't in love with me, but they respected this country. You know, they respected us greatly. Now they don't. They're laughing at us like we're fools. No. And we are. the way he got out of Afghanistan was, in my opinion, and your opinion too, I think it was the most embarrassing event in the history of our country. I, you know, it, um, it tells me something about the American soul, that it is still uh, wide awake and still open, because I think people saw that and saw that that was the most dishonorable thing we've ever done. It was dishonorable the way we treated our, our allies for so long. It leaving people behind, leaving Americans behind it has never been done, never been done. And now to have the the Pakistani general and the Pakistani prime minister helping Americans to get out and doing the things that our own federal government should be doing. It's shameful. Right. It's shameful. Well, it's uh, an incredible thing, but maybe more incredible is if you watch the news you see nothing about that catastrophe anymore. You see nothing about I know. the 13 soldiers, the warriors. But, you know, they were brought in because we took everyone out and they, they needed like an emergency. And they brought these young, generally young kids in and they weren't even there. They brought them in. They brought them in on an emergency basis. They got blown up. You know who they never talk about? The people, the our people and 
people on the other side, 260 people. But they don't talk about our soldiers whose legs were blown off that are right now sitting in a hospital, maybe listening to your show. Congratulations on your success, by the way. Thank you. You do great. Really great. But they're, they're sitting in a hospital with no legs, with no arm. They have been badly. Now, we lost 13, but we have numerous really badly injured, as you can imagine, soldiers in the hospital right now. Nobody even mentions that. But what's incredible is the news doesn't mention anything about this anymore. In fact, he's going to make a speech today. He's going to talk about he got out of Afghanistan. Now, if you get out of Afghanistan, a lot of people like that, and and mm-hmm. you know people have different views on it. But you know, you get out, but you leave with great dignity. You leave with your weapons. I always knew that government was a fake government. We will give you another fake. And Ghani was, you know, he was uh, seen leaving with loads of cash. He had to leave some of it on the runway because it didn't fit into his helicopter and his plane. So he left. Tremendous amounts of cash on the runway, which nobody talks about. And I would criticize him for years. I used to criticize him because I heard certain things and I believe they were true. And now he turned out to be true. And the soldiers, you know, they're great fighters, but they were fighting for a paycheck. They were among the highest paid soldiers, the Afghans, because we were paying six billion dollars to the soldiers to fight. So they weren't really fight. They were getting a paycheck. That's why it collapsed so fast. And I always said, as soon as we leave, within minutes, that thing is going to collapse or before. And I said, Ghani will be out right before us. Ghani had a lot of political power in the United States with the politicians. That's the only thing kept him in office. Mm. But so I knew that. So therefore, I want to take back the equipment because they're not going to use it because they're going to leave. And that's what happened. They left. We could have had. The soldiers saved, our people out, everything beautiful. And we could have been out in the same period of time. It's really, you know, you're not talking about a different period of time or much of a different. Maybe you take an extra couple of months, but you're talking about we would have been out. I would have started. In fact, I had a May 1st date, but they didn't meet the the conditions. So we knocked the hell out of it. We bombed them. They were never going anywhere near me. Never anywhere near me. And he understood. Remember, they would never, no country would ever have been hit so hard as what they, if they killed Americans. Right. And think of it. In Chicago, that a thousand people, they, 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 what's happening in Chicago is so bad with these Democrats and New York is having a tremendous problem with crime, the well, crime. Let me, let in me, Afghanistan, yeah. we didn't lose one soldier. Um, can I ask you quickly, the book is out uh, today about General Milley. Uh, right. the, the failure from Lloyd Austin and General Milley is historic. But right. now we find out also that General Milley uh, possibly was undermining you with China while you were you were president. You said, and I thought it was very gracious of you to say, I don't believe it. I'll believe it when I see it. Do you believe it yet? So I learned early on that he was a dope. I learned that <laughs> when we walked to the church that was smoldering from the rioters. You know, that's what they yeah, were, right. anarchists that tried to burn it down, that they tried to say were wonderful, just, you know, protesters, friendly protesters. As I'm walking, you see flame, you see smoke. I mean, literally the day, a day or two before they burned, they tried to burn down the church, which was built along with the White House. I mean, at the same time, very, very important institution, everything. And it's a church. So they didn't quite make it, but it was minutes from burning down. All right. 
And Millie walked with me, and I walked with numerous people, but Millie, the next day I saw him apologizing. From the day he apologized, they essentially had nothing to do with him because they said, this guy's a dope. All he had to do is say, uh, it's my great honor to walk with the president or the presidency. Talk about, not me, talk about the presidency. And there were other things. He made a statement to me, and I guarantee you that's what happened to Biden. He said to me, because I said, we're getting out of Afghanistan. We have to do it. Bah, bah, bah. I said, I want every nail. I want every screw. I want every bolt. I want every plane. I want every tank. But I want it down to the nail screws, bolts. I want the tents. You know, those big, beautiful tents that house the planes. I never saw tents as great as that. They're like hangers. I said, I want all of them deconstructed. I want them. I want every single thing. And he said, sir, it's cheaper to leave it than it is to bring it. I said, wait a minute. Let me ask you a question because I'm a construction guy. So I understand this stuff better than anybody. I said, let me ask you a question. You think if you have an airplane there, and you're going to leave the airplane instead of putting a tank of gas in and the airplane might have cost 40 million, 50 million dollars. We got really good stuff or the Apache helicopters. I said, you mean some brand new, by the way, millions and millions of dollars. So you think it's it's, it's cheaper to leave it where it is than have a, have 200 pilots fly over and fly all the equipment out? Do you think it's cheaper? Yes, sir. It's cheaper to leave it than it is. I said. I got to tell you, I think you you got to be nuts. I mean, give me a tank of gas and a pilot. And I got a, I got, I just picked up $40 million, a $40 million airplane. All right. But he was strong. He just, it was amazing. So I learned early that this guy's a dope. But what he did do is he hurt our country and he hurt us on trade because I was making trade deals. He hurt our country and he shouldn't have been allowed to do it. And bad things should happen to him. Mr. President, it is a privilege to have you on. Uh, you could stay for more. I know you have a busy schedule, uh, but we'd like to have you back on again. Thank you so much, President Donald Trump. Thank you very much, Glenn. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. So yesterday, I am, you know, it's like I have, I swear to you, it's like I have Tourette's uh, in some ways. Uh, I will say the wrong things that I know are wrong because I know that I'm not supposed to say those things. And it just like comes out. Uh, it's like with names, Stu. I, I have names down. Oh, it's totally. Uh, the minute I get on the air, I can't say a name. You know the name. You've said the name 500 times in a row. And then you get on the air and you say it wrong. Or you forget it completely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, Happens it's all the horrible. Time. Yesterday, let me just clarify on a couple of things before we get into this story. 32 girls and their families with the FIFA-registered Afghan women's youth national soccer team were evacuated to Portugal. We told you that yesterday, um, in great part by the help of the Pakistani uh, prime minister and your donations. You probably have read stories about the soccer players getting out before the U.S. troops left. But that's a different national soccer team. That's adult players. They were evacuated to Australia. These girls are on the youth national soccer team. They were in real trouble after the bomb went off and the U.S. troops uh, withdrew. Their rescue is really nothing short of a miracle. Uh, they are FIFA registered, but I uh, FIFA. FIFA mm-hmm. I, but I was uh, see again. You said FIFA to me off the air mm-hmm. twenty five times, mm-hmm. and then you get on the air and you say FIFA. Yeah. Anyway. 
Um, that is true. It's I another know. example. I know. And this is why you're in the Radio Hall of Fame. That's exactly right. <laughs> They're like, this guy somehow made it. I mean, that <laughs> I mean, is that's worth Hall of Fame. We're not saying the show's good. We're just saying he kept a job this long. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, FIFA was not involved in their uh, rescue, but they were uh, monitoring the situation. Nick McKinley is with us now. He is the founder and executive director of Deliver Fund. How are you doing, Nick? Doing good, Glenn. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, Nick and I have not met until yesterday. And uh, Deliver Fund is, well, explain what you do and how we came to know each other. So Deliver Fund, we are a counter human trafficking organization, and we work primarily with law enforcement uh, in the U.S. and overseas to identify human traffickers so that they can rescue the victims and hold the human traffickers accountable. A little did I know, and I think you didn't know this either. Little did I know um, we Mercury one is one of your major uh, sponsors. Uh, and that's, that's correct. And I, here we are. We tried to find each other uh, recently. You tried to find out who was running these planes out of and um, gosh, we here we are we've had such close relationship and neither of us knew it um yeah and little did we know we're right down the road from each other yeah um so nick tell me about the uh tell me about the girls and how all of this happened the the whole thing happened because uh so uh, to kind of start at the beginning deliver fund was working with uh, the U.S. administration on counter-human trafficking policy, you know, laws and things like that. And then when Afghanistan went high order and all of a sudden everything just started being the chaos that it is, uh, the administration reached out and said, hey, we need, we need some help getting people out of Afghanistan. And, you know, we're, we're a pretty apolitical organization in that our focus is on human lives. Mm-hmm. And so we'll work with anybody to just just to save those human lives. So we we started working uh, with uh, the original uh, uh, the original group of, of U.S. government personnel that were getting people out. Uh, started helped with the Khalid Wardock rescue, helped with a bunch of other rescues of people who were working for the administration uh, or for the U.S. administration through all the administrations during the war. It's important to understand that the Taliban was telling these people, we're going to kill you and sell your children. Mm. So it's kind of an ultimate, you know, poke in the eye to their enemies to be able to do that. And since we're counter human trafficking, that's right in our right in our skill set. And so we started helping to evacuate people. We were originally doing that through Eagle Base. That's all over the media. Nothing classified about that, uh, which is the CIA base in Kabul. And then we got asked to help get out the, the girls' soccer team. We thought this would be yet another easy operation. We'd put them into the same mechanism. Everything would be just fine. And then suicide bombs started going off. That, that people don't changed everything. everything. People don't understand how much that changed everything. When that suicide bomb went off, uh, doors were closing immediately, immediately. Nothing, nothing that everybody had planned was going to happen. Absolutely. The, the, and, and then once that suicide bent, when a bomb went off, kind of the rules of the game on the ground started changing by the hour. So you put together an entire plan to get somebody out, and then four of the mechanisms in your plan were no longer viable. 
so it was just this constant pivot. You know, it, it, internally we were saying it was like building an airplane while you're flying it. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was incredibly difficult operating circumstances, and and we didn't have time to you know be all over Instagram and all over social media to to be trying to talk about what it is we were doing. We're just trying to get the work done. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then fast forward to, uh, we had two failed missions where we're trying to get these girls out. And uh, one of them, uh, they're literally watching Eagle Base burn to the ground while they're standing about a half a kilometer away from it. Uh, That was their way out. Tried again the next day. We had them within about 40 meters of the Black Gate. Uh, A lot of people understand what that is. And then couldn't get them out because the, the U S military would not open the gates. So we sent them home and then very rapidly, uh, the Taliban started going door to door looking for young girls. Uh, and once we started getting their cries for help from the girls saying, you know, the, the Taliban are on our street, we had to pivot very, very quickly. And so we, uh, implemented a mechanism we had on the ground to get them into the North and to figure out how to get them out uh, of the country. And that was, that was when the real, real heroics started. Uh, USAID uh, in the, the current administration was kind of running, running the lead on this, and they were absolutely phenomenal. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, and, and, and what, yeah, so, and, and it, was, it, was, it was excellent to see, you know, with, with everything that's going on in the political environment being what it is, there were some real heroics from all sides. Uh, the first thing that we knew was we had to, we had to have a landing place for these girls uh, because it's important for people to understand. We see them as, as young wives that need to be saved, but many countries around the world saw them as a busload of expensive refugees. And we had to, we had to counter that mm-hmm. by, by showing that these are, these are lives. These are, these are people whose lives matter. I mean, these are, these are teenage girls who were the Taliban to get their hands on them. were going to be forcibly raped through a forced marriage by somebody anywhere from 20 to 40 years, their senior for the rest of their lives. I was, and, uh, and we can't stand by and let that happen. Yeah, and and this is why the Nazarene Fund. We we spend a lot of money um, on the aftercare because we can't just dump them into con- countries. Won't take them, and so you like we have. We'll teach you a, a language. We'll give you a job skill. Uh, we'll pay for your housing for you know a year just so you get your feet settled, and then you you've got to perform. And they do. We've seen it in F- in uh, uh, Australia. They will perform. They will meet those standards. But no country just wants, you know, 10,000 refugees that have no place to go and no one taking care of them. That's exactly right. So that was the first the first problem to be solved. And uh, between USAID kind of pushing the diplomatic envelopes back and forth, and Senator Coons' office uh, was was absolutely instrumental in making it happen. Uh, yeah, so the 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 country of Portugal stepped up and said, "We'll provide political asylum for these girls." That was absolutely phenomenal. That is what needed to happen in order to to trigger everything else that was needed to get them out of the country. Because before we were working mechanisms to try to get them into other countries, 
And they and the other country said, sure, we'll let them stay. We'll even let them stay here for 30 days. But we want to guarantee that they're following on somewhere else and mm-hmm. we're not going to have to take care of them forever. Mm-hmm. So for Portugal stepping up and, and making that happen really, really launched the entire operation. Um, so once we got the political asylum, then it was a matter of you know getting overflight clearances and all things that you're familiar with. <laughs> uh, but then it was, okay, now we have now we have the problem. Can we get them out over land? And that was becoming an, an increasingly no less way. viable option. Yep. Plus, we're talking about a bunch of teenage girls. You know, mm-hmm. not part of the world. These girls are commodities. Mm-hmm. So how are we going to guarantee if we take them out over land, especially if they're smuggled out, that they're not going to be abused along the way? Mm-hmm. So air was really the most viable option. And we, we had heard that there were folks who had lines on airplanes, couldn't really figure out who that was uh, in the beginning. And yet at the same time, we were burning thousands of dollars a day housing and feeding these girls. So one of our, uh, one of our donors, uh, Andrew Duncan, stepped in and said, I'll cover that cost. Wow. And that was a huge help because we were able to then have a little bit of breathing room to be able to figure out who, who is, who's the magic people who have these airplanes who seem to be able to, <laughs> seem to be able to, uh, you know, get things moving. Um, and then that's when we were introduced to Rudy and the Nazarene fund. And from that point, uh, the collaboration between us and Rudy, uh, just, just was, was incredible. And, and there's, there's a really important piece here. That's uh, really a feather in the cap of the Nazarene fund. Uh, and I, that is, Oh, right. No, no, go ahead. Um, and that is the fact that the Nazarene Fund uh, was smart enough to have credit with Cam Air. So, you know, it's, it's one thing to be able to pay for an airplane. And, uh, you know, uh, thanks to Andrew, uh, Andrew Duncan, you know, we were able to, to pay for those airplanes. But it's another thing to be able to pay for the airplane right now. <laughs> because obviously wires take a long time to clear. Yeah. And so that was very smart of you guys to have that credit so that uh, as soon as there was a window of opportunity, we're able to take advantage of that opportunity and and fly right then and there. Well, Rudy is um, he's been running this operation for the Nazarene Fund, and he's just amazing. I think it's a miracle. Him being placed where he is now has just been miraculous. Uh, he pretty much runs all of the airspace uh, now if for any kind of uh, operation like this. He's kind of really doing all of it uh, in Afghanistan, which is crazy, just crazy. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. I, I see, you know, all these groups out there saying, oh, we, we have we have planes, we have a manifest. And, and when, you, when it all comes down to it, it's all Rudy. I make it happen. I know everybody. I know. All right. So, so you guys did excellent hiring him. If you are looking for a really rock solid group to invest in, that's the way I look at charitable money. It's an investment in people and who does the best job and who gets the most right to where you want it to go. Deliverfund.org. Uh, it's something that uh, Mercury One has been investing uh in if you will deliverfund.org we've we've helped them for uh, several years and we were thrilled to be able to help them with the nazarene fund uh on the ground but please donate to deliverfund.org um so the other thing is and i 
you know, Donald Trump and I were just talking about uh, Prime Minister Khan, uh, who he said was a big part of his plan to hold this thing together. Uh, Prime Minister Khan has been amazing, uh, along with uh, uh, General, I think it's Nazir. What, what is his name? Do you remember? Um, but they've been remarkable in putting this together. I don't know how it happened, but I think he was like a fan or something. Uh, and I was I was asked to write to him because he'll listen to your your email. And I'm like, what? And he did. And tell us the role that he has played in this. So so Prime Minister Khan definitely uh, uh, deserves uh, our thanks and uh, and, a, and a debt of gratitude for. Uh, for what the role that he played. Uh, and I think it's important for people to understand why. So, you know, they say that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Uh, personally, I like to, I like to say that luck is nothing more than divine intervention. And there was some serious divine intervention going on here. So, uh, so prime minister Khan turns out, uh, as I understand it, uh, actually, uh, listens to the Glenn Beck radio show. And so, uh, once, yeah, I mean, who, who, who saw that coming? Yeah. And so uh, what was needed in order to get these planes to, to take off was for somebody to interface with the Taliban. Um, I happened to find myself fresh out of Taliban contacts. <laughs> and so somebody, yeah, somebody had to, had to, had to do that because, because whether we like it or not, the Taliban is the government on the ground in Afghanistan, and there's nothing Nick McKinley is going to do about that. And what we do at the Liver Fund, we always work within the system to enhance the system. We don't work against the system. So if we're going to get these planes off the ground, it's only going to be because the Taliban allows them to take off. So that was that's a that was a real problem. And it took it took weeks to figure out how to solve that problem. So even though all the heroics had been done on the diplomatic yeah. side. Somebody had to get the Taliban to allow the planes to take off. And, and even almost more important than that, somebody had to tell the Taliban not to mess with the passengers who were going to uh, get on the plane. Nick, I got a report last night that when uh, the girls came to the airport, because Pakistan had said, leave them alone, when they got to the airport, not a single one was even asked. They were just asked for their name. They didn't where they weren't asked for anything and they were left entirely alone. Just go, go to the airplane. That's and that is all because of Prime Minister Khan. It is. It is. Thank you so much, Nick. I appreciate it. I hope to uh, talk to you again and and hear some more of your uh, stories. And thank you for everything that you and your team are doing at Deliver Fund. If you'd like to donate, deliverfund.org, deliverfund.org. 